This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now, where do you spin? Um, I spin at Blazing Saddles in Sherman Oaks. Is it on Ventura? Yes, it's, it's down the block. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles, and with me is my writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain, also a TV writer and producer living in Los Angeles. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, being friends and business partners, and how to fight and win the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Happier in Hollywood is all about how to survive and thrive no matter where you are or what you do. In this episode, we'll reveal our new gig and talk about why it's important to know your role. And we are super excited to interview Lori Zacks. Lori's a non-writing producer extraordinaire who we worked with on the ABC show The Family a couple years ago, and we fell in love with her. So today we're going to talk to Lori about what it means to be a non-writing producer and grill her on everything from her big break at Saturday Night Live to career longevity to why spinning keeps her sane. And then, Sarah, you've got a Hollywood hack for us. I do. But before we dive in, we have an update on how to give good meeting, which we talked about in episode three. All right. Okay, so Sarah, Danielle wrote in with a really good tip, one I'm surprised we didn't think of doing ourselves. (laughs) She says, always Google the company first. It never hurts to demonstrate that you did this, too, by mentioning something specific or asking a question about something you saw. It shows initiative and planning. Keep on keeping on. That is so smart. Yeah. You know, this last week we've been um, interviewing assistants, and it really makes a difference if people have done a little homework before they come in. If they know what shows we've done, if they might know projects we're working on currently, it shows us that they really want the job. Yeah. And if they haven't, it shows us that they probably don't want the job. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Now, we got another great email, um, a very funny email from Jonah Lisa Dyer, who is a writer and works um, with her husband, Stephen. Yes. So Jonah Lisa wrote, our worst meeting happened about 15 years ago. We just put all our furniture in storage and drove out of NYC in an Oldsmobile with two duffel bags and two cats. We were taking meetings in L.A. for a month on our very first script and then deciding where to live. One of our meetings was at Disney, and the minute we shook the woman's hand, she started sneezing and itching. Ten minutes into the meeting, her eyes were red and watering, and an angry rash was moving up her neck. Turns out she was horribly allergic to cats, and our month-on-the-road with cats aura caused a huge (laughs) allergic reaction. We mutually decided to end the meeting after about 15 minutes so she could seek medical attention. <laughs> I've never known if she had to take some Benadryl and go home for a shower or if maybe a coworker had to drive her to the ER. When we spoke to our agent about the meeting, he was like, she was allergic to you? Needless to say, she did not buy our script or pitch us anything. <laughs> <laughs> 
I love that story. I think we we, we both empathize because we're allergic to cats. Yes, we're both <laughs> allergic to cats, even though I do have a cat. That might beat our tooth falling out story. Actually making the executive ill. Yeah, I think that does. That wins. Um, so we're loving all the listener feedback we're getting. And we just want to remind everyone that it really, really helps us if you subscribe to the podcast and get your friends to subscribe also. It keeps us on the charts, which other than word of mouth, is the best way for new listeners to find us. And keep letting us know what you think. We love to hear from you. Yes. Okay, it's time for a segment we call From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches this week. And this week, it's, drumroll, starting a new job. Oh, my. On Monday, we'll be starting work as consulting producers on For the People, which was created by Paul Davies, who was a writer on Scandal most recently. It's a Shondaland show, the first Shonda Rhimes show we've worked on, so we're super excited. Yes, we really can't wait. So the show's set in the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, a.k.a. the Mother Court. And it follows brand-new lawyers working for both the defense and the prosecution, handling the most high-profile and high-stakes federal cases in the country, all as their lives intersect in and out of the courtroom. And, of course, we'll put a link to the trailer in the show notes on our website, happierinhollywood.com. So, Liz, I see you've got some new jeans on. Yes, I do, Sarah. (laughs) And I have to say they're acid wash. I never had acid wash in the 80s, but now for some reason I felt the need for acid wash jeans. They're amazing. But the reason I came to have these new jeans is because I had to do my pre-starting a new job ritual of going clothes shopping. Now, you know that I am always convinced whenever we start a new job that I am going to dress incredibly well and be totally stylish. Yes, yes. Every time. Every time. (laughs) I buy clothes, I'll, like, text you from the dressing room, like, I should spend this on these, right? Because I want to look good at you know in the room. And and you're like, yeah, you should. I always say yes, Yes, of course. You always say yes. (laughs) So I did the same thing this Uh time. And of course, the question is, will I actually wear nice clothes or like day two, will I be in sweats? I'm going to go with week two. Week I think two. Week one, because also it's three days a week. So it's, right, okay. so it's like you'll get through those first three days. And then week two, you can we can go back to the sweats. Yeah. You know what I do is I get the clothes. And then what I start doing when once we start, I prepare everyone. I go, you know, usually I don't wear ah. clothes like this. Usually I'm in sweats. And then everybody goes, I don't care what you wear. And I go, oh, you don't? <laughs> And I go, oh, well, yeah, maybe I'll wear some sweats. And then, you know, slowly it devolves. And then it's over. But this could be different. This could be different. We don't know that. I'm keeping hope alive. All right. (laughs) Now, okay, what about you? I've got my new clothes. Have you done any sort of pre-new job ritual? I don't really have a pre-job ritual, or at least I haven't in the past. But I am going to start one. In fact, we'll be talking about it in this week's Hollywood Hack later in the show. I'm very excited about my new pre-job ritual. Intriguing. Yes. Nice nice tease there. (laughs) Um, So this job, as I said, it's just three days a week because we have a few projects in the development pipeline that we're working on that we need time to focus on, including the Marsha Clark project that we've mentioned before. So in other words, in this job, we're not in charge. We are just there to help. So we've been thinking about what's our role? And really, whenever anyone starts a new job, you kind of want to think, what is my role? You know, whether it's at Forever 21 or Morgan Stanley or at an elementary school, there's always a hierarchy and a culture. 
Uh, There's the stated expectation of the job description and, of course, the always important unspoken rules. Right. And for us as TV writers and producers, on every show, there are a million different roles to fill. Everyone has their position, their title, like showrunner, executive producer, co-EP consulting producer, which is what we are going to be on this show, you know, all the way down to staff writer. Um, But then there are also roles that need to be filled. And sometimes those are really well-defined, like this person is the number two, this person always does editing, and sometimes they're really not. Yeah. And the key is to figure out where do you fit in and how can you best do your role? I mean, you know, sometimes I think it's tempting to just try to do everything because you want to be really helpful. But the truth is, if you're doing somebody else's job, that's really not helpful to anyone. It's like, you have to know, what have I been hired to do? Right. Um, That's really the question, whatever your title is. Yeah, you're right. If you're trying to do something else, that can create friction. Yes, it can. So you want to do what you're there to do as well as you can possibly do it. Yeah. And then if people want you to do more down the line, that's great. Um, But they'll let you know usually. Yes. So, okay. Well, we're consulting producers, which, as you said, means our role is really just to help out. So what does that mean? What should we be doing here? Well, I think you said early on that, like, the best thing we can do is be upbeat. We really don't have a heavy load of responsibility. So a really good thing for us to bring into the room is just to be positive and to buoy people and to kind of keep the energy up and focused in a good way. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like no matter how excited everyone is about a show, and this is one people are going to be super excited about for a lot of reasons – It's always hard to do a first-year show. There's always always going to be bumps in the road. There's always going to be frustration. There very likely can be long hours. And, you know, sometimes scripts have to get totally rewritten. And egos get bruised. Egos get bruised. And you can have production problems because you're still ironing everything out. And it's sometimes I think people can get very negative Mm -hmm. because they're tired and they're anxious. And so, yeah, it's like what we can do is counteract any of that sort of natural feeling of frustration by being the positive, you know, people that we sort of are. We sort of are. (laughs) We know it all works out. I think that's the thing. We know now that everything will work out. You just have to get through it. Exactly. And then another thing we can do on this job, since we are now the experienced veterans that we are, um, is help younger writers. Yes. So when we were on Angel, there was a producer who was a supervising producer, and he ended up running the show. Um, Jeff Bell is his name, and he was incredibly helpful to us when we were starting out. Yes, I will never forget. Um, we handed in our first script, and we were going to get notes from Joss Whedon and Tim Minear, another writer on the show, which is that's a very intimidating duo. Incredibly terrifying. And he said, like, you need Jeff, the person you're talking about, said to us, just know that from now on, your job in life is to take notes. So don't feel bad about getting notes because that's your job. And it really helped us. Yeah. And then, I mean, we could go to him about anything and he always helped us. And I think since then, we appreciated that so much. We try to do that for people on the show because also we have the time being the consulting producers, not running everything. We have time to spend with younger writers and answer their questions and help them out that the showrunner just may not have. Right. And help them figure out their role. Yes. Which is very hard as a younger writer to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Our other role is just to move the ball forward. Mm -hmm. So when we're in the room, which as we've said, is where all the writers gather and talk about story and break stories, which is when we plot out the episodes. It's our job to sort of 
keep the story moving forward, not to be people who are questioning every single little thing in the story, but more to say, okay, well, that's a good idea. How can we implement it? How can we fix this problem? How can we end the day further along in this story than we began the day? Right. Yes. Which a big part of that is also not getting sidetracked. (laughs) Yes, that is very true. TV writers are notoriously bad about spending two hours talking about, like, you know, their weekend or... Game of Thrones. Oh, God, Game of Thrones or The Fall on The Family. We talked about The Fall all the time, which was relevant, I It was. Say. But, yes, yeah, so to kind of hopefully keep things in a forward motion instead of just spending our time talking about, yeah. <laughs> talking about other TV shows. Yeah. Or embarrassing personal stories. Yeah. I mean, and then we really just need to be on call. Since we have done all of the different roles, we've been showrunners, we've been number two, we've been, you know, staff writers, we've done it all. (laughs) We can do anything. So we're there if someone needs us to just step up and do something, whether it's casting or going to set or wardrobe, whatever it might be. We just need to be people that someone can tap our shoulder and say, hey, can you handle this? We're too busy. Yeah. If there's a gap, we can fill it. Yes. Uh, But we're not going to force our way in. No, (laughs) just we're there to help. Only when required. Um, And then obviously to write. Yes, there's that. Something we do occasionally (laughs) as TV writers is actually write. Um, And that's our, well, I was going to say it's our favorite thing. I don't know if it is exactly our favorite thing. I like it more than you. I like getting sidetracked by personal stories. (laughs) That's my favorite thing. Um, And then there's one major thing that we should not do. Yes. This is the key to all success in life, probably. Yes. Don't be an asshole. Yes. There are those writers who see it as, and this is true at any job. I mean, this is not just about being a writer. I mean, all of these things are obviously true for any job. Any job anywhere. You know, just fill in whatever you do. There are always those who see it as their role to be flies in the ointment. They want to pick at things. They want to find flaws. They want to, as we were saying, be negative. And it's just not productive. So we want to be the people who stop that in others and don't do it ourselves. Yes. Yes. And that is one of our philosophies in show running and in being on shows. Don't be assholes. And in life. And in life. <laughs> also important in life. Okay. So here's our mandate, Sarah. Be upbeat. Help younger writers. Move the ball forward. Be on call. Write. And don't be assholes. All right. We do all of that. We're in good shape. Excellent. That's what we'll do. In your job, is it sometimes hard to know what your role is? And how do you figure that out? Do you have a new job ritual? We'd love to know. Send us an email at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Up next, we're going to talk with powerhouse producer Lori Zacks, president of Mandeville Television. Lori epitomizes what it means to be happier in Hollywood, and we're going to find out how she does it after a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. 
Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. All right, Sarah, it's time for our interview. Lori Zacks currently serves as president of Mandeville Television. Mandeville is a behemoth in both film and television. Their most recent film hit is Beauty and the Beast. And on the TV side, they were producers on ABC's The Family, which is how we met Lori. Lori has literally done it all. She helped launch Comedy Central. She was a network executive overseeing such shows as Everybody Loves Raymond and The King of Queens. Moving into a producer role, Lori developed ABC's Castle, on which she served as executive producer for five years. Currently among her many projects, Lori is the producer of our top secret project with Marsha mm-hmm. Clark. <laughs> Lori Zacks, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome to Happier Thank in you. Hollywood. I am happier to be here than even you are. Oh. <laughs> That's nice. So to get us started, can you talk a little bit about for our, we have people listening from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about what a non-writing producer does in Hollywood? Non-writing producer. Um, well, there are different kinds yes. of producers. What I do. You're the good kind. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Put it this way. There are many people that you will meet in Hollywood that say, oh, I'm a producer. Right. But they're really not. They're, <laughs> you know, they're they're usually, I say, glommed on to a project and call themselves a producer. But yes. um, I work for Mandeville Films. Um, I run the television department. And we have a deal with ABC Studios. So do you. Yes. So, okay. So as a not, and, and I think there's, two parts to being a non-writing producer. One is development and finding the pitches, finding the writers, finding the stories that you want to eventually turn into a television series. And I do, as you know, scripted only, scripted dramas, scripted comedies. And then, you know, what we do is we do a pitch and we sell. We're like, sometimes we're Willie Loman, you know, we're, <laughs> we're going all over town with our pitch and trying to sell to a network. So I develop or work with the writers on the script, and then hopefully we go shoot it. And then you really kind of kick into the producer part, where you're put actually putting the show together, putting the pilot together, hiring everybody liaising with uh, the studios, with the network. It's a 24-hour job when, you, when you're in production. And then when it's picked up to series, you kind of back off a little bit and let your project go to a certain extent so you can start it all over again. Right. So you can be doing new shows. Yes. Yes. And what we love about you, I'm just going to do that Thank little you. like bow yes. down to Lori moment, <laughs> is we've seen you work on other people's shows. And Mandeville and you, you're actively engaged. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot yes. of producers who just sort of collect money. And you guys are really in there. You'll be in editing. You'll be on set. You are Casting. genuinely yes. problem solvers. And mm-hmm. you genuinely make it easier for the creators of the shows. But I want to know, I love the story that you started as an NBC page Mm -hmm. in New York, and then you got a big break. Can you tell us about that? Yes. And I need to say that when I got out of school and, you know, grew up in kind of a small town outside of New York City, I 
did not know that these jobs that we do here in Hollywood existed. Yeah. So, you know, I come from a very conservative family, engineers and, um, you know, uh, accountants and everything that I don't do. I cannot <laughs> add a, a column. So I was kind of the black sheep of the family. I felt like I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to be a producer. I didn't really know what to do. So I walk into NBC where, you know, I heard that there was a page job and um, I got it. And I really think it was because they had like one uniform <laughs> that was, oh, you know, size six, which I was at the time. Oh, amazing. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I started giving tours and then one of there was there was some production going on there at 30 Rock, which is a very, you know, famous address, famous address. And I was fortunate enough to kind of get plucked out of this group of pages to work as I don't even want to say assistant. It was way below Uh assistant (laughs) (laughs) on Saturday Night Live, which was really, you know, Taking off, it was just so bizarre coming from living upstate where I went to school, you know, a really kind of tiny school up in the Hicks. So that was my first job and ended up working as a talent coordinator where I was booking the hosts and um, the musical act. I think like seven people are doing this job now. I mean, it was crazy when I think about what you did. It was it was really great. It was a great experience. And I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do, book talent. But it wasn't what I wanted. So then you transitioned out of that and you ended up you worked for Comedy Central in New York. I heard they were opening up a West Coast office. Okay, and then you made the move to L.A. Yes, yes, yes. And tell us, because of course we're always talking about being happier in Hollywood. I think a lot of people think nobody is happier in Hollywood. They think they think Hollywood's (laughs) not a happy place. Um, Although, of course, we all love it. Yeah. Tell us what's the biggest difference for you between working like in the business in New York and in L.A. Well. First of all, from a professional level, the business is here. Yes. The television business is here. In terms of being happier and my lifestyle, I love it here. You know, I did meet my husband and my son, who was born in New York, grew up here. It's a really nice place. And I also, I don't think it's some kind of cultural wasteland. I mean... Totally it's not, agree yeah, with that. Yeah. And less yeah. and less, I think. I mean, now it's really vibrant. And I also have to point out that your son turned out so great. <laughs> oh so God. anyone who thinks that you can't raise a child in L.A., that's not true because Lori has proof uh. that you can. This is a discussion, Liz, and I have all the time because we have small kids. And yeah. it's oh, scary yeah. to think of, like, we grew up in Kansas City, like growing up in a huge city like this. But we look at your son and it's like, okay, everything will be all right. Yeah. You know, one of the things that we admire about you of the many, many things we admire is you really do have a work-life balance. Like you somehow manage to, you have amazing charitable obligations, you work super hard, and you also like go to spinning, go to Mm -hmm. yoga, you spend time with your family. How do you, how do you manage all of that? Well, I think part of being a producer is being very organized. I am. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, makes but sense. I'm also someone who I don't understand when somebody says you can't have it all. I mean, mm-hmm. what's all? What's important to you? My family is incredibly important to me. When I came here, I was a single mom and I had to sometimes take certain jobs 
or work at a certain job that wouldn't keep me 24 hours a day, you know, or I did what was called Mm. like current programming, where current programming is where you're actually supervising the shows that you're working on for the network. So you're very structured, you're very scheduled, whereas development, which I think you've spoken about before, that's 24 hours a day all the time. So I would take my son after school to uh, where we taped Everybody Loves Raymond on Tuesday night (laughs) and Ray's kids were growing up and they all went and did their homework and I started to incorporate my kid into my life. And yeah, I just think it's really important to do what you need to do. And if you need to take a step back and, you know, spend a little bit more time with your kids and you do, look, you miss some stuff. Right. I will say that I was in New York. I had to fly to LA. I was working for Comedy Central and I was in a control room with Dennis Leary and my husband at the time called with his mother and said, guess what? Zach is walking. Oh, and it's a knife to the heart. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember Dennis Leary saying something like, God, I hope that doesn't happen to me. Oh. <laughs> and you know what? You forget about it. He's walking now all the time and it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. So, Lori, you have done, as you've been telling us today, a lot of different jobs. You've covered a ton and your career just always continues on an upward trajectory. What's your advice for you know, everybody here in Hollywood and everywhere else for staying mm-hmm. passionate and ambitious and not losing your edge. Um, I always say, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do something. Oh. Um, and in this business in particular, you can get very segmented very quickly. Mm-hmm. Like if your first job is on a crew Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you decide, but you know what? That's not really what I want to do. I want it to write, you know, and then you'll have a whole bunch of people telling you why you can't write or why, you know. So for me, I have never done any job in my life, including the one I'm doing now, that I had any experience doing before, (laughs) Right. you know. You just took the plunge. I just did it. I mean, what's, you know, what's the worst that could happen, you know? Like when I started booking Saturday Night Live, I, I didn't really know what I was doing. I just know the woman who I was working with for who was in charge of booking the talent was never there. So I was taking all these calls from big agents and big managers and, you know, hey, did you hear about, you know, Bob from Bob Dylan's manager? So I just kind of took it and just started, you know, doing it. So I think that you really have to believe in yourself and also don't get in your own way. So many people, and I think, we as women have to be really careful about that, have a tendency to say, mm, I don't know if I can sell myself like that no. or I can't go up for that job. They're looking for somebody who has more contacts here. So I think you just really have to punch ahead and stay contemporary. That's really important. You have to know what's going on. If you're in entertainment, things shift. Audiences shift. Trends shift. And there are a lot of writers who say, oh, I'm too old. Nobody's hiring me. No, it's because you're thinking old. You're, right. You know, don't age yourself out of something. I mean, Norman Lear has a show on Netflix exactly. and he's 94, I believe. Exactly. And I just i am so stunned sometimes when I, I hear people talk about themselves yeah. and just say, well, you know, you're not going to get that job. I wouldn't hire you. Um, so, Lori, <laughs> 
one of, you know, obviously the big thing we talk about is how to be happier in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for our listeners on how to be happier in Hollywood or wherever they may be? Um, well, I have to say happier in Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> I say love what you do and love your life and that your job, especially our jobs, they're more of a lifestyle. And, in, in, you know, I incorporate that so many of my friends are in this business. This is a company town, and I don't think that's so bad, you mm-hmm. know, where you find a lot of like-minded people. But I think their just takeaway is really have to love your life and love your job and be passionate about it. And don't go to law school because your mom wants you to go to law school, and you're capable of much more. Do what you're passionate. And how do you stay sane? Um, it's a combination of um, many years of therapy, <laughs> Um, acupuncture and spinning exercise is very, very important. And uh, spinning just, uh, I think spinning keeps you young too. Well, you look incredible, so Thank it's you. doing something for a hundred years you. old. Not bad. <laughs> you have the best skin of anyone I know. I know. And a good Seriously. facialist, and a good facialist, <laughs> Christina Radu. Um, that's who you. I need to, to go to her. Yeah. She's the secret. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lori, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for being a huge part of making our lives happier in Hollywood. And likewise. (laughs) You can follow Lori on Twitter. She's at LZaxHorn. That's L-Z-A-K-S-H-O-R-N. And on Instagram at LZHorn. So, Sarah, it's time to move on to our Hollywood hack. And this week, you have a Hollywood hack for us. Yes, I have the most amazing hack. And it's also going to be my new ritual before we start any new job. Oh, okay. Okay, three words. Spa with childcare. Oh, revolutionary. Yes. Okay, so tell me everything. Okay, so a few weeks ago... I had a play date at a spa with childcare. A mom from Violet School and I went to this spa. We left our children in the childcare room uh-huh. where they had a delightful time playing with each other. And then I got a facial and like spent some time in a massage chair and the other mom got a massage. And then we went to this spa. It's called Spa Layla. And they have quiet rooms where you can go in and sit in a chair and have a nice like flax seed pillow Mm. warmed up behind your neck. They have a bazillion kinds of tea. If you go later in the day, maybe you'll want some wine or champagne. They have that too. And have just like a delightful, relaxing, like it was more like a mommy play date. Uh But our kids had a play date in a separate place while we just relaxed and had a delightful time. This is brilliant. Brilliant. I'm so glad you found this because you can never go to the spa because you're an only parent. Right. Don't want to, you know, get a babysitter to go to get an hour long massage and it's always a whole thing. So I'm so happy you have this in your life. Yes, I'm beyond thrilled. Now, I also looked on the website after you told me about it because it sounded great. And it says you can host an evening soiree there. So maybe we should host a soiree at the spa for our friends. Oh, my God. We totally should. I didn't mention this. They they also have, just like for moms out there, they have bathtubs. It's just you. there's a room with like a really deep, luxurious bath. And you can just like take a bath and read. And it's quiet. Yeah. And other spas have that, but they don't have the child care. Right. The child That's care the key. is key. Yes. Um, it's a little weird to go and do that with your friends. Go and like take a bath somewhere. But we could get the quiet room and have some champagne. Yes, I would love that. 
Yeah, because we always say we're going to go away for a weekend yeah. to Ojai. I mean, how many times have we made that plan? And, and we canceled. never do. Yeah. But this we might be able to manage. Yes, we can manage an evening away. Uh, now, Sarah, we had Brooke, our wonderful soon-to-be former assistant, yeah. do a search for other spas like this, like in the country, other spas with childcare, and she couldn't find any, um, which led us to say, hey, this is an amazing business opportunity. Oh, my God, it is. If you have a spa in Kansas City or Miami or anywhere else, if you're thinking of opening a spa, think about providing childcare. It should be a huge thing all over. There's definitely a market for this. And if you're in L.A., we'll put a link to the Spa Layla website in the show notes for this episode on our website, happierinhollywood.com. And if you go, I'll probably see you there. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Liz, before we say goodbye, I've been out of town. So I had no celebrity sightings this week, unless you count the Arctic wolves at the International <laughs> Wolf Center in Ely, Minnesota, Axel and Grayson. Liz, did you have any celebrity sightings this week? Well, I had what I'll call an almost celebrity sighting okay. because I didn't see him, but there was a celebrity behind me that other people saw and told me about. <laughs> Um, it was J.K. Simmons, you know, from um, Oz. Love him. And he won an Oscar for Whiplash, where he played the mean drum teacher at, yes. in New York. Yes, he's incredible. Um, so, yeah, he was behind me in line at Aroma Cafe, which is a cafe that we love. We go there a lot. Spalela is just up the street. In ah, fact. <laughs> okay. Um, and I was there for a school event, actually, but I was getting my coffee, and then someone's like, did you see J.K. Simmons? And I was like, I have to see him. Where is he? I, you know you know me. I'm always, like, craning my neck, totally, right. obviously. Yes. Yeah. And he was, like, slipping into a car, so I didn't actually see him. <laughs> but I, you know, I thought that sort of counted because he was in my presence. Yes. You could have elbowed him. I might have. <laughs> well, I love that because it's that is such a weird thing about Los Angeles. Mm. You know, you could be here for a week and not see anyone famous, but that doesn't mean they weren't just sort of all around you, like behind you in line, behind you in the car. I saw Ice Cube behind me in, in a car one time, like going on to a studio lot. It's like they're always there, even if you don't recognize them. They're like chameleons. They just sort of yes. blend in. Yes. I have on more than one occasion looked over in traffic and seen a real housewife um, <laughs> next to me in her car. So if you're visiting L.A., always keep your eyes open because when you least expect it, that's when you're going to see a celebrity. So true. And Liz, that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Do you have any new job rituals, any do and don't suggestions for us as we embark on this new job adventure? Email us at happierinhollywood at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 949-HAPPY21. Thanks to our producer, Jennifer Lai. Also thanks to Kristen Meinzer and Andy Bowers of Panoply. Thanks to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Follow us on Instagram. I'm at S. Fain. That's S. F is in Frank. A-I-N. And Liz is at Liz Craft with a C. And if you like the show, please be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. The problem with these jeans is they just totally stretched out. So I feel like they're already too big. Right. You're going to have to wash them every time you wear them. Yeah, and dry. Oh, God. <laughs>